welcome to Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here today. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Well, hello, hello. Good to see everyone today. I want to welcome everyone here, all of our Gateway family watching online. And then I also want to welcome our Magnolia location. Let's put our hands together and welcome them. We love you. and so grateful for you. Uh, well, it, it is December, uh, and I, December is one of my favorite months of the year. So much is happening, uh, being able uh, to celebrate, obviously, Jesus, the reason for the season. Uh, but over this next couple of weeks, it's an incredible time uh, as a church where we get to really celebrate all that God is doing uh, reflect on what he's done and also look forward to what he's going to do in the new year. And over the next several weeks, it's going to be an incredible time. Uh, as you just saw, we actually have our Christmas candlelight services coming up in just a few weeks. Uh, grab one of these cards. So I want to encourage you to invite someone, invite your friends, invite your family. It's going to be an incredible service. There'll be uh, obviously the candlelight moment, but we'll be singing different Christmas songs but ultimately, uh, there'll be a message that's proclaimed about who Jesus is. But there are different service times as well. So grab this card. And on there, at Magnolia, there's an extra time. And then even here in Katy, there's an extra service for you to be able to join and attend and be a part of that. Uh, they typically say 80% of people that you invite to church would actually come. The truth is, most of us may not necessarily have the courage to do so, but I want to encourage you to do that during this next season. And I also want to say that we are doing next week our Heart for the Kingdom offering, which I'm excited about. Uh, it's our first time to be able to do this. Uh, from the very beginning of our church, our heart has always been to help people develop an intimate relationship with God. Uh, and God has proven himself faithful year after year. This is just our third year. It's actually four years on January 26th, so I'm excited about celebrating that. But what he's done over the last three years has really just blown uh, me away, and my hope is that we're all open uh, to saying, God, you've done something great among us, yet you still want to do something great. I believe this is just the beginning of what he's wanting to do, and we all have the opportunity to be a part of that. So the Heart for the Kingdom offering is an opportunity for us as a church to trust God as we allow his journey generosity to flow through us, to give above and beyond to the future of our church, the expansion. I love what's happened in Magnolia location. For those that don't know, uh, renovations are happening. We're renovating the kids' space, some of the halls, the auditorium, uh, to prepare it for our grand opening uh, on January 28th, which is going to be incredible, incredible time for the grand opening. But here's what I want us all to do. Uh, whenever we come to these moments, it's a time of faith raising. So I want every single person uh, who says, hey, Gateway Church is the place that I come to pray. Uh, we want to pray and ask God what he would have us give. It's really not this number goal, this is, but the goal is that there would be 100% participation for who God has called here. And for some of us, that means giving for the very first time. Remember, Christmas is a season where we actually celebrate Jesus, but the truth is we're the ones who get all the gifts on his birthday. But what would it be like if we were willing to say yes 
to be able to give what God is doing in this Heart for the Kingdom offering happening next week. A lot of it will actually go out of the doors to our, our local outreach, national, and even international with missions and partnerships that we had, uh, Christmas blessing for foster care families and uh, Embrace Grace that helps unplanned uh, pregnancies and people to go through to actually have the baby. We have different ministry partners that we've connected with over the years that we are going to bless during this time, and this will be a part of that. So my hope is that you would pray, just hear, believe, obey, and do whatever God calls you to do, and it's going to be an incredible time. Well, I'm excited today because I get to start a brand new series titled Legacy. A legacy is uh, an important part of who we are. It's an important part of who he's called for us to be. And as we navigate through this series, I want us to uh, be open to the legacy that God wants us to have, not just what we may think about ourselves. See, legacy is that which actually outlives you, uh, is greater than yourself, is having an attitude to live beyond yourself. And it's important that we come to these moments. Psalm 112 verse 6 says this, those who are righteous will be long remembered. So those who are righteous, if we're righteous in the Lord, we will be long remembered. So the title of the first message in this series is the stories they'll tell. The stories that they will tell. The stories they'll tell whenever we're no longer here. The stories that they remember us. And it's important when we think about legacy, it involves living intentionally today because the decisions that we make today actually affect our tomorrow. Uh, one of, uh, just recently, a couple of weeks ago, our kids needed to have uh, what some of us may call a come-to-Jesus moment. I don't know if you've ever had to have those moments with your kids. It was one of those for us, and uh, I wanted to kind of corral and rally everyone together to give them a little bit of direction uh, because there was a little bit of chaos and a little disorder that was happening. And I began talking with them, and I just wanted them to really reshape their attitude. And I basically laid it out and said, the decisions you're making today affect your tomorrow. One, they affect our relationship today and how much you're going to enjoy the rest of the day if you don't change what you're doing. But they also can build habits in your life and patterns in your life that will lead you in a specific direction. Then I even said, uh, me and your mom, we made decisions today that you are actually going to be grateful for when we're no longer here. And it really kind of dawned on me this thought, who is going to be grateful that we are alive? Who's going to be grateful that we were here? Who's going to be grateful that Gateway Church was here? And it's important for us to live with that mindset because that will set the path and give us wisdom on the steps he's called for us to take. But I also want to say it's not enough for us to simply be consumed with what other people are going to think about our legacy. It's important for us to also understand what God thinks about our legacy and to make sure that we are pleasing to him. So I have three points today, and the first point is this. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you, and we can think about this, of what does God want for us in our legacy? But in Genesis 12, verse 1 through 3, here's what it says. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make your name, make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you 
will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. And then Hebrews 11a, here's what it says. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. So I want you to think about this for a second. As you look at this passage, God comes to Abraham, who did not know him at the time, and said, I want to bless you. I want to do something great in your life, but I want you to know it was not that Abraham went to God asking for all these different things. God actually went to him and it says, I will bless you. I will make you famous and I will make you into a great nation. That's God's part. He's the one who does that. And here's what he said is your part. And you will be a blessing to others. So as God was thinking, how in the world can I bless everybody? I want to bless the entire world. This is what God was thinking. And he chose someone that he knew would be obedient to what he was saying. Because when he wants to bless others, he actually is going to look for someone who is a follower of Jesus to say, who can I bless? Because I know when I bless them, they're actually going to be a blessing to other people. See, Abraham's legacy isn't that of just simply wealth or land. It's actually a spiritual heritage. Because we don't, we actually see all throughout Scripture that the heritage of Jesus is actually rooted in Abraham. This is why you may have heard the song growing up, Father Abraham had many sons and many sons. Okay, I'm not going to sing the whole thing. But Father Abraham was the one who was willing to take the first step in obedience. See, we have a spiritual heritage because he was willing to say yes and obey. But here's how I wanted to find blessings because we can get so confused when, when we talk about blessings. There's this idea, an idea of what blessings are, more houses, cars, money, whatever it may be. But here's how I wanted to find it today. God's blessing entails giving you what you could not attain on your own. I'm going to say that again. God's blessing entails giving you what you could not attain on your own. So it's more than just possessions. It's more than just material wealth. See, Abraham and Sarah in their life, God comes to them. He gives them this promise that he would bless them, but they actually did not have an heir. There was no one that they were going to be able to pass this down to in the promise or the blessing, the true blessing, is one, the first, a relationship with God. But then second, he actually gave them a son named Isaac who was promised, though they were well advanced in age. That's what the scriptures say. It's another way to say they were old. Okay, that's basically what he meant. But we have to understand what happens in this moment that we have actually been blessed with things. You may say, I don't know if I've been blessed with what I cannot attain on my own. Here's the truth. If you have salvation, you've been blessed with something you could not get on your own. If you have the peace that passes on understanding that Jesus said, the peace I give you cannot actually be found in the world, then you've received something that you could not attain under your own power and under your own ability. So even though your circumstances may not look like it on the outside, you are blessed because you have a relationship with God. And we have to come to the place where we understand this. But I love it because their willingness to trust God actually opened the door for God to touch them. See, the more that we're able to trust God, that actually leads him to touch the areas of our lives to bless us. How many of you would love for God to, to touch a certain area of your life so that he can bless you there? Well, it comes from the place of trust. 
It comes from the place of being willing to say yes to God in that area so that he can come and move. But the truth is, we have no idea what's on the other side of our obedience. We don't know everything that Abraham saw from the very beginning, but he was willing to obey in that moment. See, life is much more than about the next upgrade. It's not about just upgrading the next iPhone whenever we get a promotion, upgrading a new car. Uh, I don't even know. Do Androids have update upgrades? Actually, just upgrade your life from an Android to an iPhone, and you're going to be doing much better, okay? But life isn't just about the next upgrade that we can get whenever we may have more substance. It's much more than that. See, our default should actually be one of generosity. But here's the truth. We are naturally born selfish. We're we're selfish beings. Whenever we are born, we're born selfish. Here's how you know. For those of us who are the experts in this area in the room, if you have kids, or you may just say, hey, I'm in that category too, did you have to teach your kids to be selfish, or did you have to teach your kids to share? Share, okay. We're naturally born with that. They're naturally hardwired to say, mine, 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 mine. Mine." That's what kids are naturally wired to do. But the truth is, we are too. And there's some areas, ladies, that I want to talk about that men are still naturally wired to say mine to. Uh, One of those areas is with their food, okay? I just want to let you know. With food, men are hardwired to still say, no, that's mine. I'll actually just buy you more rather than you getting mine. Uh, whenever we first got married, Elaine and I, whenever we first got married, there's times where I realized that I needed to grow in an area. And that area is when I was hungry, I would go get something to eat. I'd come back home and she was like, hey, what do you want for dinner? And I was like, well, I already ate. And her response was, well, did you think about me? And at that moment, I did not necessarily think about her. Think about her. I was thinking about myself and the fact that Chick-fil-A, God's chicken, was in my car and I did not want to wait till I got back home. There's nothing worse than getting home and the fries being soggy, but there's been times because we're hardwired to be selfish. But here's the thing. We are born selfish, but the truth is we're actually born again generous. And here's why, because we now have the nature that comes from God and God is a generous God. Romans 14, 7 and 8 says, For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. See, we have to fight the natural inclination of selfishness. See, where there's selfishness, that's actually a relationship killer, but selfishness is also a blessing killer. God wouldn't give or bless someone he knows is going to be selfish. So we have to make the decision not to simply live for ourselves. Here's what I want to say about significance. Uh, Significance thrives when selfishness dies. Significance in our lives when we understand that we're not here just simply for ourselves, but we're here and God blesses us to be a blessing for others. That's when we can step into the life of significance and the calling that God has for every single one of us. So the first point is this, God wants to bless you. Here's the second one. God wants to prosper you. God wants to prosper you. Uh, How many of you here would love if the Lord prospered whatever you did? How many of you would love that? 
Okay, just a few. Some of you I know are never going to raise your hand no matter what I ask you, no matter how good it is, and that's okay. I want to let you know that I still love you, and I'm glad to be back. I love that we also get to leverage technology a little bit, do video where my voice continues to get a little bit stronger. So if it cracks and I hit a high note, just go along with me, all right? But here's the thing we need to understand. God's favor is on the life of stewards he knows are going to be fruitful. But for so much in the church, this word prosperity has been associated with the gospel, which is actually uh, no, no gospel at all. And here's why. The gospel teaches you that if you are saved, then you will never experience suffering. The only problem is if you actually read the Bible, all of the apostles were all were martyred. They all lost their lives. So that gospel doesn't apply. And here's the truth. When you get hooked into the prosperity gospel, it, the lie ultimately that you won't experience suffering, whenever you go through hardship and when you go through trouble, which Jesus said we would, it actually leads you to a place where you resent and hate God. So we have to understand that's not what I'm talking about here. This is not a, a give-to-get sort of message. Ultimately, we know that prosperity is a positive word, though, and God prospers those that live by his principles. Genesis 26, verse 12 and 13 says this, Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper, and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Okay, do you think God has a problem with you prospering? And by the way, it actually says he sowed and then God blessed. So you have a part in this, and God has his part. But you have a part that you need to sow, you need to be involved, you actually need to give effort and give God something to work with and to bless in your life. Job 36, 11, it says, if they listen and obey God, they will be blessed with prosperity throughout their lives. All their years will be pleasant. See, God can prosper those who will obey him. Third John 2, New Testament. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. Because once again, there's no point in prospering if you don't have your health. So he's saying both. Just as your soul prospers. So we have to understand this Hebrew word for prosper is actually uh, has the connotation of the word push forward. That's what it means. So I have to ask you, we just switched out that word. How many of you would love if God pushed your life forward? Okay. Yeah, so much better participation. I love it. in Magnolia, I know you're participating, raising your hand too. That's great news. We want God to push our lives forward. We want God to prosper and push our marriage forward. We want God to prosper us in our career, in our business, whatever it may be. We want God to prosper us and, make, and help us to move forward in whatever he's called us to do. See, this is more than finances. It says, I want you to prosper in your soul. See, what's the point of prosperity in your finances but poverty in your soul? Jesus would say it this way. What does it profit a man to gain the entire world, yet lose his own soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul? And the answer would be no. But so many people have prosperity, and only in their finances, and their soul is actually tormented. And they're heading down a negative path, but whenever God prospers you, it's the whole of who you are. 
uh, whenever I was in college, I was the baseball uh, uh, clubhouse manager. So I was the one who kind of did all the dirty work. Uh, I vacuumed. It's not as great as it sounds. Vacuum, cleaned the restrooms, uh, did all the laundry, and that was the worst part about the job. Uh, but there were times where I would actually have to mow the baseball field. So I was a guy that would go out there and make all the pretty lines uh, on the field. I could do that. That's something I did in my past life. Hopefully never do it again because I'd have to normally do it during the summer months. And the summers in Oklahoma were just brutal. Uh, it was a riding lawnmower. And on the lawnmower, there were several things that you had to do. And there was one day that I wasn't able to do it. And one of the former baseball players that was there, his name was Iceman. This was the nickname that we gave him. It was during the era whenever everybody used to bleach the tips of their hair. I don't know if any of you did that. I haven't had hair for a while, so that was not me. But he bleached it. So we called him Iceman. He was a pitcher, phenomenal pitcher, great guy. So he was doing it this one day. And he went out there in the riding lawnmower, and there was a part where you had to first push it down, and then there was another button to turn on the blade so that it would actually cut the grass. So Iceman went out there. Uh, he's from California, not that it's pertinent to the story, but take with that what you will. But he does the entire field. He pushes down, he pulls up, does the design, and it actually looked like it created lines. But then we finally go out there to inspect it a little bit further, and Iceman had actually forgotten to turn the blades on and was out there mowing the entire field but not actually cutting anything. How many of you know that's a really bad day when you, ever, when you have to go back out in 100-degree heat to be able to actually mow the field? See, that's what it looks like whenever our lives are productive in one area but there's not prosperity in every other area. On the outside looking in, we could see that people look productive. They can look prosperous in just one area instead of the whole, which is what God loves to do in our lives to where we can have prosperity in our souls. Uh, Proverbs 21.5 says, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. See, the trouble comes when we have a heart that chases after prosperity. But we need to understand that that's not what called, God's called us to do. There's actually a posture that we can have and a pattern that God has laid out. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Notice the posture. He's walking there. Or stand in the way that sinners take. Or sit in the company of mockers. As you can see, there's this progression where he's going in a specific direction that lands this person in a bad place. It says, but those who delight, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. See, your posture in life will determine the patterns that you take. See, this is actually a picture of a person who's actually not walking in their purpose. They're actually headed down a negative direction that's ultimately going to put them in a bad place. And God's saying, this is the type of person that won't prosper. But the person who actually meditates on the word of God, has the word of God in their life, is a person that will ultimately prosper. But here's what you need to understand. It says they have to be planted. 
planted is actually another posture to me. The person who's planted in the house of God is the person who's going to flourish because their roots grow deep. This is why it's important for us to get into a place, to stay in a place. Because if we actually want to produce fruit, we actually need to look at the root of where we're planted. Where has God planted us? Where has he called us to be? Even in the midst of the frustration, it actually says, in season, they will produce fruit in their lives. They will prosper and they will come to that place. So if you aren't fruitful, you need to be asking the question, where am I planted? Where am I planted and what patterns do I have in my life? Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, what is the pattern of this world when it comes to this idea of prosperity for you to chase after wealth? But one of them is this. The principle would be from the pattern of the world would be instant gratification. Get whatever you can and get it right now. Get it today as quickly as you can. But here's the problem with instant gratification. Instant gratification never creates room for future generations because it consumes everything today. It's important for us to realize as we're talking about legacy. Uh, this plays out, and even in America, it says 49% of Americans are actually living paycheck to paycheck. And this, by the way, is not based on your salary, whether it's low or high. There's high people that are still living above their means. This isn't to condemn anyone. It's saying that if you don't have a budget and you aren't living biblical principles, then you're actually going to miss out on the prosperity and the blessings that God wants you to have because your life may be a little bit out of order. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Okay, that's a different pattern. A pattern to honor the Lord, to put him first in every area of your life, to seek his kingdom first. That's not the pattern of the world. See, some of us may need to get a new pattern and put God first in this area. See, one of the ways that we can do this is actually submit our plans to him. Here's what it says in Proverbs 19, 20. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Here's what that word prevails means. It, it, it means to rise or stand up. That means no matter what happens, we can submit our plans to a God who loves us and cares for us because his purpose will rise up in our life and God actually wants to prosper us. But you have to know, that God will never give you or provide you with something that he know will destroy you because you can't steward it. He always gives to us according to our ability and places it, uh, and brings us to a place where we trust him with what he's called us to and what we're supposed to walk in. But the truth that we have to understand that prosperity is not bad. God wants to prosper us. But here's the third and final point. God wants to reward you. God wants to reward you. But the question for all of us today is, how would you live today if you knew that God would reward you in the end? There's many times that I went throughout school not knowing that at the end they were going to give out awards because if, if I would have known that, I would have acted a little bit differently during school that year, that day. See, when we don't know, we begin living out in a way that's ultimately not helpful in the long run. Here's what Matthew 16, 27 says. It says, this is Jesus speaking, for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Revelation twenty-two twelve 12 says, look, I am coming soon. 
bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. See, the truth is, this should give us an eternal perspective. This should change our perspective totally that we know in the end that Jesus is going to come and he's going to reward us. He's going to give us gifts for the, how we lived on this earth. This is why our character matters. This is why integrity matters. You can't lose these things because God is going to reward us for the way that we live. Remember, you only have one life. You only have one opportunity to leave a legacy. See, here's what we need to understand, especially when I'm talking about rewards, because the whole point isn't to work for your salvation. It's actually so, so you're meant to work out your salvation. And there's a big difference between the two. See, our beliefs determine where we spend eternity. Our behavior determines how. And I'm going to say that again. Our beliefs determine where we spend, whether we are going to be with Jesus forever or we're going to be separated from him. But our behavior determines how. The rewards that he is going to give us. This is why Colossians 3.1, the apostle Paul tells us, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor. This is once again saying you need to have an eternal perspective. See, many times where we get frustrated on this earth is because our sight is actually in the wrong place. When our sight is what's on, on what's temporary, we can miss out very easily on what God has that's eternal. We can put so much stock on what's happening now that we forget that the longer part of our life is actually in heaven with him. It changes the way we live when we have the right perspective of what God is calling us to. But if we don't set our sights on heaven, we will set them on the earth. But here's the problem. We typically settle too much when we put our sight on things that are temporary. Because even with Jesus in his life, if you would have just set your sight on what happened to him the day that he died, you would have missed what happened three days later when he raised from the dead. But if you have an eternal perspective, God knew what he was doing and that he knew that he was going to be raised from the dead, but he still had to go through something hard. In our lives, many times we can have too short of a period of time where we think God can bring something good out of something. Because we think maybe in weeks, months, days, years. But remember, God has an eternal perspective. And while we may not even see it in our lifetime, God still works everything together for good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But if you have a heavenly perspective, which you actually can get from God and his spirit that lives on the inside of you, he would love to lead you to have a different perspective than the one that you have. And we have to understand that God is a rewarder. Uh, Hebrews eleven six 6 says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. See, this is the only time this word reward or reward, or depending on the translation you have, is actually in the Bible. And it's a five-syllable word in the Greek, but here's what it means. It means to reward with extravagance. There's actually extravagance that's attached to this because you got to remember, God is a generous God. See, those who are willing to seek him, those who are willing to seek his kingdom and put him first, God will extravagantly reward this person. It's kind of like this idea of rewarding someone if you were to lose your wallet and they found it and then they brought their wallet back to you and you just decided to bless them because they returned the money or the wallet that you may have lost. And here's what you're actually rewarding in that moment. 
You're rewarding not just what they did, but you're rewarding the principle of honesty and then bringing it back to you. See, whenever you seek God and you believe in him, he is a person who will reward you. See, remember, our legacy is not just simply what man remembers, but what God does. God wants to reward us, but we have to fight through our selfishness. And we can become like God. We can be extravagant givers. And here's what I want you to understand. That God doesn't bless giving. Now, let me finish my statement. God doesn't bless giving. Here's actually what he blesses. God blesses giving with the right heart. Cheerfully. Person who's just willing to give it, and here's why. Because it's a reflection of who he is. God can reward people like that. That he knows are going to be pleasing to him. And here's why, because he's a just God. Listen to this, Hebrews 6.10. And as we're thinking about legacy, we need to remember this. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. See, that should encourage all of us today. That God won't forget the work that you're doing. I know many times as you're, as you're working, as you're serving, as you're praying, as you're giving, you're, you can come to the place where you wonder, is God paying attention? And here's what the scripture gives us encouragement to know. That God won't forget you. That he will reward you. For our kids, we want them uh, to be people that have a habit of helping others. So we teach this, um, on a, teach this to them on a consistent basis. Anytime we sit down for dinner, I know one of the questions you always ask is, how was your day? And we typically ask that question. But the second question I normally ask is, who did you help today? It seems like a very simple question, but it actually gets them thinking. And the first time, it was nobody. But the more I've asked the question, the more they'll come to me with different things. Hey, I helped this person. I held the door here. I served here. I was a line leader. All the many different things that they can do to help in their small way, even at school. But they're developing a habit right now today. And the school that they go to actually did something. They, they basically call it, uh, I got caught. And what they're doing is they pick uh, students that are uh, kind of exemplifying the values of the school of loving excellence, taking care of other people and going above and beyond. And there's been several times that our kids have actually been chosen to win this award. But it should tell them that somebody is always watching you. And they will reward you on the other side. See, he, we, we need to live with this understanding that God is always watching you, but you need to understand it from this standpoint. He's not watching you to punish you. He's actually watching you because he loves you, and he would love to reward you so that you can continue walking out what he's called for you to walk out here on this earth. See, God is a rewarder. God wants to prosper us, and God wants to bless us, and he's looking for people who are willing to say, my legacy is going to be one that I'm not just going to live for myself. What outlives me isn't just going to be about myself. What people remember, but more importantly, what God remembers is that I served him faithfully and I helped those who were around me. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. At the end of every single message, we ask this question. What is the Holy Spirit saying to me through this message? We're all at different places in our lives. But God wants to speak to you right where you are. And you may be in this place 
And you may say, hey, I, I want my legacy and I want my life to matter. Significance is ultimately found in him, not just in what we do, not the value we provide to the world, but the truth that we are his son and that we are his daughters. And today, God would love to, to speak that to you. The areas that he would love to bless, the areas that he would love to prosper, the areas that may need to get in order to align with his purposes so that he can lavish and reward you, remember, extravagantly give to you. In a moment here, we have the chance to respond. And if you need prayer for anything at all, both here in Katy and in Magnolia, there'll be people down front that would love to have the opportunity to pray with you. I want to encourage you today, don't leave without connecting with somebody. Don't leave with the same burdens that you came in here with without connecting your faith with someone else. We believe that God moves in prayer and we should never be embarrassed to come down for prayer because God answers our prayers and he promises to give us his peace. But there's also another group of people I want to talk to here today. There's a group of people that say, may say, my legacy hasn't even begun because I haven't dedicated and given my life to God. That's where your legacy begins in that moment whenever you're willing to say yes to him and he makes you his son and he makes you his daughter and today you can make a decision to follow him. In a moment, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's the heart posture that says I'm willing to surrender my life to God. So if in a moment, if you would say, hey, I need to surrender my life to God. I need to start my legacy off on the right foot. And you're here today and you say, as you pray this prayer, Pastor Ethan, would you count me in? Would you just raise your hand and just simply raise it high and say, yes, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be made new. I want to be his own. Just raise it high. You may put your hands down. I want to ask you to pray this prayer with me. You can pray it in your heart. I'll pray it out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, Thank you for sending your son to the earth. He lived a life that I could not live. And he died on the cross and was raised three days later so that I can have a relationship with you once again. I say today that I repent of my sin. I change my mind. And I ask you to forgive me. Thank you for giving your life so that I could experience new life in you. From this day forward, I choose to follow you and surrender my life to you with all that I am. And I ask that you would bless me and that your hand will continue to be on my life. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Let's put our hands together right now and celebrate those that said yes to following Jesus. It's the best decision that you could ever make in your life, and I want to encourage you to take your next step and get connected. We would love to continue walking with you. But would you stand to your feet with me? I'm going to ask the prayer team to come down front, and if you need prayer for anything at all, even as I'm speaking, you can come down to receive prayer. And if you're not coming down for prayer, then let's all respond and worship to the Lord together. Love y'all. Thanks for joining us today. If you live in the Houston area or are in town for a visit, we would like to invite you to join us for a service. For service times and location, or more information about Gateway Church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Have a blessed week.